Hello everyone and welcome back to the Mystery Theory Podcast. Thank you for joining in today. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. And for those of you who follow the podcast coming from my YouTube channel, The Mystery Theory, welcome to you too. I am so glad that you are here. And today I am going to cover a true crime case. You guys know that recently I've been doing some other kind of forensic, psychological, and some updates on recent cases, but this was a very requested case, actually. I got this name over and over again, I think about three or four times um, in my YouTube channel, but I decided that it was important enough to share it with you guys. Now, it's also a little bit different because it involves a love triangle and I guess that one of the recent comments that I got, it was from somebody that lived in the area. I'm not sure if right now or at the time, but um, this case took place in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, it was back in 2001, so not one of the most recent cases, not one of the oldest cases. However, it's different enough that we are going to start this case from the end. So what actually happened is on January 15, 2001, at 9.30 a.m., the police receive a call from somebody claiming that um, the roommate was dead. So nothing crazy. I mean, this wasn't a lengthy call or had a lot of details. It was more uh, kind of somebody panicking because they found their roommate dead. Now, when the officers got there, it was worse than they expected. I mean, one thing is just saying, you know, my roommate is dead in her bed. And another thing is finding a woman laying face down on the bed with her hands that were tied in the back with an electric electrical cord some kind of a charger, something that the whoever killed her uh, found around. She seemed like she was strangled in kind of a first impression and also sexually assaulted. According to the initial reports, that was not everything. She apparently suffered a very long and painful death. Now, the victim in this case, her name is Tsatsi Sanchez, and she was Mexican. She was in the States because she was studying, and she was actually a freshman at the University of Nevada. She was 27 years old at the time, and just going back to the crime scene, I'll give you more details about her in just a few minutes, but uh, on top of her body, they found a movie ticket with the name to the movie What Women Want, which is a comedy movie. And it was carefully put there. It was not something that, you know, somebody dropped by mistake or fell from one of their pockets. It was most like something that the killer put there for the police to find it. But they weren't sure what it meant initially. It really, they had no idea. But once they started to investigate, they realized, well, they found out, I should say, that she was gay. And that this little uh, 
movie ticket could be a homophobic message, maybe implying that she needed a man. They just really didn't know, but initially they realized that whoever killed her knew her enough to know that uh, she was gay. So that narrowed the list of suspects, um, being an immigrant that moved to the area. I mean, the people that she knew wasn't, you know, wasn't that many people. So it kind of helped the investigation from the beginning. Now, another thing that I should mention is that her house was trashed. I mean, it was confirmed that they took the TVs, computer, a Cartier watch, um, So the police had to check all the windows, the doors, and see if maybe somebody, you know, was knocking at the door and she opened the door because she knew that person or if somebody forced their way in. And soon enough, they realized that they had some kind of marks that would indicate some kind of a forced entry. So whoever got in the house to kill her and to take her things was somebody that planned the whole thing. They knew what they were doing and they knew how to get in the house. Now, at the time, the police didn't know if this was a robbery gone bad or if this is a home invasion, but it was very well planned. Um, I mean, her car was also missing and the police suspected at the time that they not only took her car, but they took everything that they stole from Satsi in her own car. So they had to look for it. Now, of course, they have to kind of do a little bit investigation and look into Satsi's past and the kind of life that she had there in Las Vegas. Now, initially, they they realized, I mean, they found out that she was a very hardworking, very happy girl, confident. She was working as a waitress, uh, as a waitress to help with tuition. And in that same research that they were doing, they also found out a few recent friends that she met. And I am talking some months back. Uh, these were two Mexican ladies that went to eat at the restaurant that she was working, that Satsi was working. And these ladies' names are Marcella Whaley and Kimberly Estrada. Kimberlyn, I should say. They were a couple and um, they were new to Las Vegas. Again, they were also Mexican, so they kind of connected and they started chatting. Now, Marcella told Satsi that they were looking for a place to live, that they didn't know anybody in the area. And uh, they kind of connected. It was nice to talk to Tzatzi. And it, it was very easy for Tzatzi to kind of identify herself with somebody from Mexico as well. So it was kind of an instant connection that they made. Now, uh, they also tell Tzatzi that they've been as a couple for the last six years. And I don't know, it's like they clicked they became friends, and then she invites them to stay at her place. Tzatzi did. She was that kind of person, according to people that knew her. She wanted to help, and if she had the means to do it, she would. She didn't need money, 
uh, Tzatzi didn't because her dad back home in Mexico was very wealthy and he would pay for her tuition, he would pay the rent for a big home, I mean... He wanted her to live comfortably while she was in the States and getting her degree. Now, something you shouldn't know is that Marcella was with Kimberly for the last six years, but she was into other girls too. And she had her eye on Satsi. However, um, Satsi was straight until that point. But Marcella flirts her way into it and she tries to convince her that she likes girl. Or at least that's, you know, what most reports tell about this case. Now, in this case, um, I, I don't know. I feel like it was something that Marcella, I don't know if she got attracted to Tsatsi or if knowing that she was so independent and that she was doing okay with money I don't know what really made her uh, interested in Tsatsi um, but Kimberly wasn't into this kind of uh, sharing so she wanted just a, the relationship with Marcella and now Tsatsi so when she finds out that Marcella and Tsatsi or having some kind of a relationship, she decides to move out and end their relationship. Now, when Kimberly left, something happened. I mean, Marcella did seem like she liked Satsi, but it was almost like Satsi was more into Marcella than Marcella into Satsi. This relationship started all wrong. I mean, Marcella, with her intentions, even having a, a, a six-year relationship with Kimberly, she decided to cheat on her in the same house, and, you know, it, it was just not good from the beginning. And when Kimberly left the house, Marcella changes completely. She's not as charming and sweet and caring, but she becomes a little bit controlling, she argues a lot, it was a nightmare to live with her. So Satsi, little by little, um, starts to lose her confidence. Uh, she's becoming more and more insecure. And she's almost living in fear that she will get Marcella upset. So it was kind of a complete change for somebody who used to be a very happy and very confident girl like Satsi. Now, this is where things get a little bit interesting and... I don't know how this happened, but apparently Tzatzi decided to contact Kimberly, the ex of her now girlfriend, and the one that was living with them. Um, Kimberly, apparently she was over Marcella. Uh, so now Kimberly and Tzatzi became really good friends. They understood what each of ones had to go through while they were with Marcella. So at the end... They became lovers and they started a good, happy relationship. Kimberly was very accepting, accepting and sweet and I don't know, they just clicked. And it was completely different from the relationship that Satsi had with Marcella or that Kimberly had for, with Marcella for that matter. Now, Marcella and Kimberly come back to the home as... Uh, 
I should say, Marcella and Kimberly started to get along. And Kimberly ended up moving back in with Satsi. So now the three girls are back together in the same house. And uh, just fast forward to what happened and how they found Totsi dead. It was when they came back from work because they work in the same place, Kimberly and Marcella did. So going back to the day that Satsi's body was found, they had to interview both of them. I mean, Kimberly was very upset. But she confirms that they were lovers and that Marcella did know about it. Marcella also was very upset and she claims that she used to be Tzatzi's partner but they broke it off about a month ago and she assured the police that she had no grudges against Tzatzi and that she wished her best uh, in this new relationship that she had with Kimberly, her ex-partner. That sounded very mature, I should say, but it was more than enough for the police to continue to investigate. I mean, after all, she was the one that was left with no girlfriend and both of her girlfriends got together. So that was the motive. So the police had to continue to investigate a little bit more into Marcella. But both of them had a strong alibi. I mean, they left at 6.30 a.m. And they were seen at work. And um, when they talked to different co-workers, I mean, they were at work. And they knew that whoever the killer was, was a man. And they knew that she was also raped. So... It could have been one or two, but both of them were assumed to be men. Now, the autopsy confirms that she was strangled and she was sexually assaulted. Then the police gets a tip over the phone. This is all of a sudden. It was somebody anonymous that wanted to, after the, you know, the autopsy and a little bit more of the media sharing about the story, this person decided to call in with a tip and told the police where Tzatzi's car was parked. And this place was about 15 miles away from her home. They check, they go, they check, and they did find it. And they took it in, of course, to get some kind of possible DNA, fingerprints, something that would point to the killer. Now, the police notices that the location was only half a mile away from Marcella and Kimberly's work, which kind of gave them the crazy idea that maybe one of them was involved, or maybe both of them were. So they bring them both in, and they ask them separately if they knew why, but both of, both of them, they said that they didn't know. Now, nine days later, and after no other leads and no other suspects and nothing that they could go on, they receive another call from Rodrigo Mata, who is saying that he was the anonymous caller who reported the car, you know, where the, the car was at. He says that he knows what happened to Tzatzi and that he was afraid to go to the police because he was undocumented. So, 
He said that after learning what happened in Satsi, he just couldn't hold it in anymore. He didn't care. And he said that he was willing to identify Satsi's killer. He told, uh, well, he of course was interviewed by the police. And the police really weren't sure about the guy. But at the same time, this was their only lead. So when they interview him, he says that he has a co-worker and her, his name is Luis Barroso. And uh, this Luis guy told him that he was involved in the murder and even showed him where Tzatzi's car was. And that's why he reported the location anonymously to the police nine days before. Now, you're probably wondering why this Luis guy would tell Rodrigo about this murder. I mean, why would he have to do that? Well, Rodrigo said that Luis gave him a few pieces of jewelry that belonged to Tzati and asked him to help sell these stolen items. Now, Rodrigo said that he only took the items so he could give them to the police and he actually had those items so the police could confirm that Luis was the one who had all these stolen items and of course that would give them more than enough to start some kind of an investigation maybe get a search warrant or an arrest warrant now apparently this guy Luis um, was involved with another guy and um Rodrigo knew about it. It was another co-worker and uh, his name was Obed Marroquin. Now, initially, Rodrigo doesn't really, I mean, he doesn't say how he was involved, but uh, now they have two names. The police have two different names. So they go to Kimberlyn and they take everything that they found. And Kimberly confirms that jewelry that he had was Tzatzi. So the police, again, had more than enough and they got a warrant and they found Sassi's computer, cell phone, camcorder, camera in the possession of this guy, Luis. So that evening, of course, they arrested Luis Barroso in Uber Marroquín. They showed them the evidence. I mean, they told them, hey, you're facing the death penalty. So they were trying to scare them into talking, but at the same time, I mean, they had a lot of evidence against them. So Luis Barroso confirms that he was involved, but he says that he's not the mastermind. And he starts telling the story that apparently uh, Tzatzi started their relationship with Kimberly. Marcella felt betrayed. Marcella felt like she was left out, like she lost lost both of them. I mean, Kimberly and Kimberlyn and Tatsi, and that Marcella was a little bit controlling and determined to control them both. So she convinced Veroso that uh, for three thousand dollars, you know. She convinced him to kill Tzatzi. Now, that wasn't everything. Marcella also agrees to have sex with Barroso. 
or Luis Barroso. And according to my research, that was her first male partner, but she didn't care. She wanted him to take care of business and she didn't care if she had to do that. Now, when Marcela asked, uh, or asked, I should say, Luis about this whole thing, she she specifically asks him to be very, I don't know, particular. She wanted to humiliate her, sexually assaulted her, assault her, and uh, make it painful. That's basically what she wanted. She wanted to punish her ex-lover and, you know, that's exactly what he did. She suffered a very long and painful death. Now, Luis <laughs> decided to play smart and he decided to leave that movie ticket on top of it just to make it a little bit more personal and to make it a little bit more humiliating. When the police uh, started investigating what Kimberly and Marcella were doing specifically at a, you know, that time, they were both at work. But Kimberly tells the police that at some point, uh, you know, she she lost track of her, but she knew that a lot of people seen her around. So it was almost like, no, I cannot tell you that she was there a hundred percent of the time, but. Uh, you know, other people can. However, when Marcela learned that both Luis and the other guy that helped him were arrested, she took off. When Kimberly got home, she realized that all of her belongings were gone. And uh, she started suspecting that something was going on that she wasn't aware of. Now, of course, Marcella was the one that they were after, the police were, and she knew that the guys were going to talk. So the police assumed that she left the country. And uh, for a long, I mean, for a while, they couldn't find her. But in February of 2004, I mean, Luis goes to trial and he gets... He was convicted of all counts that he had. I think he had 10 or 11. I don't know. He was guilty of all of them. And he got life without parole. And some of those were, of course, the sexual assault, kidnapping, and first-degree murder. Now, three months later, they did. They had Obed Marroquin's trial. And he pleads guilty to first-degree murder with two counts of kidnapping. And he gets life in prison, but with possibility of parole in 40 years. The police were still going after Marcella. I mean, this girl, she thought that it was, she was invincible. And later on, they did find her. Um, and uh, apparently, she was so confident that she wasn't going to get apprehended that she went back to Durango, where she was from, and she got a pretty public job as uh, some kind of a news reporter. When the police found her, they charged her with conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. And, it, it, I mean, this happened in the States, right? 
they need to have the chargers in order to try to get her sent back to the U.S. and process her here. So they had to put the chargers here in the States. And uh, in August of 2002, since they got all these charges on her, she is arrested by Mexican authorities. But since she could be facing the death penalty, they don't extradite her. However, as you can probably imagine, the father of Sotsi was going nuts over this idea that the killer was free and was living in Mexico like nothing happened. So with the help of the Nevada police, they got more than enough evidence to charge her, at least in Mexico. And they did that because the victim was also Mexican. So in, not in every single case this can be done just because of, you know, if it's an American citizen and they are in Mexico, it's it's kind of different. But in this case, since Tatsi was also Mexican, it really helped these, um, proce the processing of her. And in 2005, she was finally sentenced to 37 years in a Mexican prison, which I don't think it's enough for the kind of evil and the kind of pain that she uh, inflicted not only in Zotzi, but also in her family and people that loved her. And, and I mean, it's, it, it's just crazy to think that you would only get 37 years and more than likely less than that just because of how the system works. Um, I know that in different countries, the system works in different ways. Some places, they don't have the death penalty. I know where I'm from, they don't have the death penalty. And it's, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm okay with the idea of the death penalty or, but ugh, at least life in prison, we don't have that back home either. There are murderers that get 15 years. So I'm not saying that Mexico is... A horrible country for doing that I'm saying that sometimes we get used to here in the US that when you do get um, when you are guilty I should say and you usually will get a very lengthy sentence especially if you're pleading guilty I mean you can avoid the death sentence and and that kind of encourages people to confess so they can avoid that but I know that in different countries, it's it's way different. Um, and uh, I'm not going to get into guns and crazy stuff like why they do this kind of sentencing here and there. Um, I don't have statistics to tell you exactly how that is better or worse uh, compared to the system here in the U.S. But... I can tell you that even though there's a lot of um, problems with guns and there's shootings and there's things that shouldn't happen, like what happened in Las Vegas uh, a number of years ago in that concert, uh, I mean, yeah, we do have those problems. But let me tell you, in some other places... They may not have those crazy problems, but they have others. Like, I don't know, it's, 
One of the things that really frustrates me the most is that you can have a gun inside your house, but if you have to wait until the person that is getting inside your house, the burglar, the kidnapper, the killer, they have to shoot you first. Because if if they don't shoot first, then the homeowner is responsible for and can go to jail for killing somebody that is breaking into their property. And I'm just giving you this example just so you get a better idea that, you know, if you don't travel or if you haven't been out of the U.S., um, yes, the system here has a lot of fails and has a lot of things that should be different. And I'm not saying that it's perfect, but I'm just saying that uh, they're still very, very harsh and with a good reason because if you are capable of doing something as evil as what Marcella did in this case in my honest and humble opinion she should have been here and she should have been facing life in prison she should have been facing and a prison in the U.S. um Prisons in other countries sometimes they seem like they're horrible on the outside, but then on the inside, eh, I don't know. It's almost like a hotel for them. And so it kind of makes me a little bit upset the ending of this story because of, I don't know, the differences between the justice system from another country and the US. They decided to keep her there, but she was here when she did it. And in my opinion, she should have been tried here. And um, even though she didn't get away with it, I just think that her sentence in Mexico is going to be much, much different than here in the U.S. Away from her family, away from the people that she knows, that can visit her, that can... And again, prisons here in in Mexico are completely different than here from where I'm from, in Mexico from where I'm from. I mean, Mexico is a huge country and uh, completely different. Again, I just find it so, um, I don't know, I don't want to say interesting, but kind of different. You know how Tsatsi was living her life, she was going to school, she was going, you know, she was working for fun because she didn't need to, but she wanted to. She was a hardworking, responsible girl. She uh, was not in any kind of a gay relationship at the time, and then all of a sudden she met, she, she meets this couple and and everything changed you know and within a period a short period of time everything everything changed enough that she's not even here and i guess that goes to show us that we must be wise at the time of um new friendships and no matter how similar we can be from the same country, from with the same culture, with the same ideas, with the same... You really never end up knowing 100% somebody. And I get it, Fritzatzi, I do get it. I, I moved to the U.S. about 20 years ago. 
and I we moved to a state where we had no family then our family followed us <laughs> but uh I get it I get it when you're here and you have nobody it's a lonely place and once you hear about somebody that it's from your same country or it's you know somewhat close to your country you get excited and and, and you almost like feel like you know them you know I in a country where you don't know anybody when they're culture is completely different when their ways are completely different when their language is completely different and now you find that person or you find somebody that is from where you're from and that speaks your same language that likes to do the same things on friday nights that like to watch the same shows that likes to you know what i mean it makes sense at least it does to me so for the people that say, well, she shouldn't have been so naive and bring this couple to her house. That happened because she was too naive. Well, you have to be in her shoes. You have to be in her uh, stage in life and what she was going through at the time to understand why she did what she did. And I don't think that blaming the victim is the point here. And I don't think it's the idea. Don't you think? I mean, there's a lot more evil. But um, you either try to be the best judge and keep good, meaningful relationships or you stay away from people because you never know the kind of person that they will be. It's, it's, it's a tough thing, especially for somebody that it's not in their country. So I kind of get it. And I don't judge Tzatzi for that. I'd, I'd never do that. But, um, I don't know, this is, this is one of those pointless cases that you're like, what the heck? What did she think she was going to achieve with all this? Did she think that Kimberly was going to go back to her because Dazzy was dead? Did she think that she was going away, getting away with it because she hired a couple of guys that really couldn't hold their tongues for five minutes while they were at the station? And we go back to the same thing, you know? What were they thinking? What was she thinking when she decided this? What did she think she was going to get out of it? I don't think anything good can come out of that. I don't think, no, I know for a fact that nothing good will come out of something like that. If you have a problem with somebody, just stay away. Move away. Do your thing. Forget about them. But this will never be the solution. This will never be the thing that will fix your problems it will never be the solution to you know your relationship with Kimberly if she was able to move on so quickly from you then that means that maybe that six year long relationship was over and how can somebody for power how was she going to teach her a lesson who was she teaching a lesson Kimberly because the one that was still alive was Kimberly 
I mean, so many questions. And I guess that's why I like to do research in this kind of cases. Because sometimes I, I hope and that there will be that case that will be like, oh, no, no. See, this will have this in common with this other person and this with the other person. And, this. and then we'll find a, a pattern of why people <laughs> make these decisions. Either they do it or they send somebody else to do it. I wish that there was this, you know, honesty pill that we can give to the people after they, you know, they say, well, I did it or I sent somebody, you know, this honesty pill. I, I, I would really love that and give it to them and say, please now tell me the truth. What did you think you were going to accomplish by doing this? And then tell you the truth. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think that would be amazing, but at least not something that we have today. And sadly, I think that would make our life, our lives much, much easier if we could understand what is going on in their minds. I'm not saying that I understand that, you know, they did it for that reason. Well, good reason. No, there will never be a good reason. But what I'm saying is, that if we can see a pattern, that if we can see something, maybe we can help. Maybe we can do something about that people that do think that way for whatever reason. Most people won't think of that. Okay, just put yourself for five minutes in her shoes. This happens to you, the person that was with you for six years now decided to move on and you live with them. What do you do? Well, let me tell you what I would do. I would move out. If it's hurting me to see my partner with another person, I'm not going to stick around and be like, oh, I wish you the best, darling. I'm not going to do that. So, see, most people would move out. Most people would do something about it other than what she did. So, what happened to her? Why would she decide that? And don't, I mean, power, yeah. She felt like she was being betrayed, but no, really, what, what is it? Because there's a hundred million things that she could have done differently. And she decided to go ahead and do this. Such a horrible case. Such a horrible um, ending for somebody that, number one, was living her life to you know the best possible way and all of a sudden everything changed when she met them I don't know what if they didn't go to the bar would it restaurant they haven't met somewhere else I mean was this part of the plan was this meant to be I hope not I can't even imagine for Tzatzi's family living away and learning that somebody from their own country living there where her daughter, you know, his daughter was living. And then all of a sudden, what are the chances? 
that your daughter will move to a country, meet somebody from your country, and then kill your daughter? What are the chances? Very slim. Yeah, this happened to Tzatzi. Let me know. I will have a little thumbnail with this case on my community page on YouTube. I would love to know what you think about this case. Do you think that this was meant to be? Uh, what do you think about it? I mean, about it, and I really. This is one of those cases that I'm worried more about the truth than anything else because what it's done, it's done. And sadly, Satsi is not with us anymore. But I would like to know what you think. So please let me know in the post in my community page. Thanks again for being here today. I'll talk to you guys next Sunday here on the podcast and Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on my YouTube channel. Bye, guys.